Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flagel, and I'm excited for the show today because we're going to be talking about something I think we all struggle with, pain. What's the point of pain anyway? That's the question and our topic for today. But before we get into that, I want to introduce our guest that we have today, and his name is Jono. Jono, would you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Actually, why don't you give us your full name since I didn't do that? Oh, you want my full name? Okay, my full name is Jonathan Alexis Hughes Michael Marie DeMartin Prey. Yes, there are two girls' names in there. One of them is like technically like my dad's name, but it's Alexis, so yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to be joyful for. <laughs> Where did all those names come from? Uh, Alexis is my dad's name. Uh, Hughes is his dad's name. Michael is like my... Well, it's considered my true middle name. And then Marie uh, signifies the royalty in our family. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's so. what, do you, what do you mean by royalty? Yeah, so my like great ancestors were French royalty. Huh. Uh, they owned oh. a large portion of southern eastern France, which French royalty eh, but hey, I'm royal. <laughs> <laughs> Even now more so because yeah. I've got God as my father. So yeah. I've a, I'm an heir to a lot more than just a little land in France. Well that's a really cool piece of trivia to know about your family. So, Jono, today we're talking about pain and what's the point of pain. Every one of us deals with suffering at some level. So, where's some of the pain that you've encountered in your life? Yeah, so grew up really just hanging out with friends all the time. And um, most of my friends ended up moving down to San Luis Obispo. I moved to L.A., went to Biola for three and a half years, so I got my uh, bachelor's in accounting with a minor in biblical studies. Got a job right after, and then life went crazy. Uh, I bought a car November in November of 2017. Graduated in December of 2017. Then started my job late January, and then like a week later, got in a car accident with a semi truck. Oh um and in my like pretty much new to me car, uh it's a little yellow Chevy Aveo. Yeah, so got in a car accident, uh it was my fault. Yeah, it was just kind of weird sunsetting and like right turns and didn't see him with his blinker on and so uh yeah, I got sideswiped by him. Um I was totally fine. Uh God definitely worked a miracle. I saw his I literally saw his wheels lining up to crush the cab of my car. But right before, the front of my car gets, like, picked up and shoved to the side. And his wheels came so close to my head that it bent in my rearview mirror. Yeah, just a crazy miracle. And I was like, oh, wow, that the, the jack on the truck must have picked my car up and pushed me to the side. The problem is... My car is yellow, and there was no yellow paint on the entire truck, and there was nothing that should have moved my car. Wow. So, um, (laughs) crazy God moment there. So that car, I ended up getting it towed home because it's pretty messed up at that point. 
and then I had a backup car because I had just bought this. Um, so I have my old 2001 uh, uh, Ford Taurus. Oh, <laughs> such a great station wagon car. Oh my gosh, I could fit like a nine foot surfboard in there. Um, yeah, so I was in my Ford Taurus and driving, um, and four days later, I'm on the freeway going home from work at like 70 miles an hour. Um, and the car shuts off on the freeway. It and just like, shuts off. It it kind of like started gurgling, like the engine was like, <laughs> and it started to sound like it was like a Mustang or something, which is not what you want to hear if you're in a Ford Taurus. <laughs> 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 and so it's like, <laughs> and then uh, shuts down. And so here I am, no power steering, just like cranking my car across, because I was, of course, in the fast lane, because... Who goes slow in L.A.? Um, and so I'm, like, crossing four lanes. Everyone's flipping me off, honking their horns at me. Um, get on this off-ramp. Uh, evidently, there was a stoplight at the bottom, so I had to stop. And then my car completely shut off. And so I had to push my car around the corner into this little, like, mini section that's not completely uh, obstructing the road. Um, everyone's honking at me at this point, and it's like, yeah, I'm having the worst week of my life, and I'm like, I don't care about you guys. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I called my mom right after that, and just, like, broke down. Mm. Just, life hit me too hard. Um, so at that point, I was taking buses and trains and bikes to work, like, just trying to figure out, I worked about, I worked in, uh, Costa Mesa, and I lived in La Mirada, so I have to... I had to traverse all of Orange County to get to work, and um, I, I was also doing sales, so I would have different um, locations every single day for where I was going to work. Um, about two or three weeks later, uh, I go in for our meeting. Uh, we have a call with corporate, and my boss isn't there, and I'm like, mm. oh, like wh- where's my boss? And um, she didn't end up showing up, and so we got a call from corporate, and they're like, hey... We just fired your boss, and we're cutting your branch. This is your last week of work. And I was just like, uh, God, I'm right here. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Um, and then I got an opportunity to come up to San Luis Obispo, live with my brother and my sister-in-law for a month before moving in with a mental health organization mm. and working as a housemate where I live in-house with a mental health client and just kind of... Um, well, my goal is to create a relationship with them and show them a normality of a living situation and kind of give them a ground zero of what mm. a like sane head looks like, I guess. Yeah. If you could call me sane. <laughs> well, I have a friend, I have a friend uh, who says someone who teaches is twice taught. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> you are learning for yourself as you teach someone else. Yeah. So in this in this situation where you are pouring yourself into someone who's struggling with mental illness issues, what are you learning for yourself in that situation? I've learned that I suck at patience. <laughs> <laughs> like, lots of it is just patience and, like, sitting in someone else's pain. And I realized that I'm really bad at both of those. Like, I can sit in my own pain. I can 
spew my own pain to other people pretty easily. But sitting in someone else's is super tough. And so for myself, I've learned that I'm impatient. I'm unsympathetic. Mm. I've learned a lot of these things that I thought I was. Like, I thought I was patient. I thought I was sympathetic. But this took it to a whole new level, and it started testing it. And so, like, the amount of times that I've prayed to, like, have an increase of sympathy or an increase of patience or an increase of love, um, because it's super hard to love someone who doesn't have the capability, really, the mental capability to love you back. Mm. Yeah, and just, like, sitting in a one-way relationship is really tough at times. So, yeah, that, uh, those are just some of the things that I've been learning. I've learned so much. I've also learned that we all have mental health issues. Yes. And we all have these disconnects with our understanding of how um, impaired we are. Yeah, I, I think what you're describing here is the journey deeper into God's love. Mm. So what you're, you were talking about how you considered yourself to be very patient. And then you went into a situation where that that patience was tested. Mm-hmm. What I see in that is the way God works in all of our lives. It's not that you weren't patient before that. You were patient to a degree. Mm-hmm. And now he was gifting you an opportunity to find that there was more patience to receive. Yeah. I think of it like being married. Before I was married, I had no idea what selfless love really looked like. And now I had to think of another human being besides Mm. myself. So I couldn't just go out and do whatever I wanted anymore. I had to check in with my wife and and talk about things and figure it out together. And it was like, oh, man, this is hard to train myself to think of her. That was a new level of growing into selflessness. Mm. And in that process, it was an invitation from God to come to him and receive more of his love, his selflessness, so I could reflect that. There's a saying that goes, you can only give to the degree to which you receive. Mm. When two innately self-centered human beings begin to relate to each other, there's going to be pain in that process. They're going to wound one another. Mm. Along the journey, we're learning to become open and vulnerable to one another, even though we can expect to be wounded by each other. And this is where God comes in. We realize how needy we are for a selfless love beyond ourselves, a vulnerability beyond ourselves, and we begin to reach out to God to receive what he has for us. That's part of the point of pain, to see our neediness. So we will go to God and receive what he has for us. And so those were training years where I was learning to go to God and pray for selflessness and love to receive that from him so that I could pour it out to my wife. And I thought I got to a point where I was doing really good. And then I had kids. (laughs) And I realized how selfish I still really am in so many aspects. And God was taking me to another level of growing into greater sacrifice, selflessness. Now, I had a kid I couldn't negotiate with. Before I could go to my wife, in that process there was still negotiation. We could Mm -hmm. talk about, well, you want to do this, I want to do this. How can we compromise? 
maybe we can do your thing this week and next week mine. No such thing existed when you have a screaming baby that knows no reason, no negotiation. My way or the highway. <laughs> Dad, come wow. on. Wow. <laughs> Talk about new layers yeah. of going deeper into selfless sacrifice, mm-hmm. into patience. That's what I hear in your story. It's not that you didn't have patience before. It was that God had taken you to a level that you had received his patience to a degree, and now he is placing you in a circumstance to receive more. Yeah, uh, it's really funny because you, you brought up like the patience thing again, and it just sparked my memory. Um, even last night I was just calling a friend, and I was like, dude, I really just I don't want to be patient. Pray for me as I'm like going into uh, like stay with this client because I need patience. Um, and then it just forces me to be like, okay, God, make me more patient. Make me more patient. Mm-hmm. Like, and really, um, yeah, the Bible says patience is a virtue. I really hate virtue, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you. I think all of us would see patience as a virtue that we need. Yeah. And we would want that. Yeah. I don't think any of us hates patience yeah, per no. se. <laughs> what we hate is the process it oh. takes to see mm-hmm. that fruit flourish, because it takes pruning. Mm-hmm. It takes branches that are not producing fruit to be cut back. Yeah. We live in a violent world because that's what we chose. I believe God gave us two different ways of growing. Mm. Because in the beginning with Adam and Eve, they weren't mature, mm. as we see later on in their decision making. They didn't yeah. have a fullness of understanding of who God is. And so they weren't mature in their relationship with Him, in their intimacy with Him. Mm. And that was the journey that... God has always been inviting every human being. Come walk with me. Come grow in your intimacy with me. Come receive all of who I am for you. And out of that, as you receive who I am, you'll reflect me. Right? There's a receiving to reflect. That's the first path that God has for us. To come to him, surrender control, and receive all that he has for us. Let him guide us in making the decisions and let him empower us to walk those decisions out. That's the path of joy and abundant life. Mm -hmm. That's the invitation God has for us. He says, come to me and let's discuss it and let's stay intimate in every decision relying on me for the results. Or there's plan B. (laughs) You can take the responsibility that's too big for you to handle and what's the result? Death, mental illness, emotional illness, spiritual illness, physical illness, sexual illness, that's plan B. You can bring violence and death and disease into the world because you're not not in a place where you can handle carrying that burden. And so what did we choose? Plan B. We handed God a violent world. Mm -hmm. We handed God crap. And God said, okay, I'll take this crap and make manure and cause things to grow out of it. Yeah. So... The violent world that we live in is because we've chosen it. But yet God uses those things to grow incredible, beautiful fruit. And all that to say, I don't think there's anyone who wouldn't want more patience, more joy, more kindness, more love, more gentleness. However, 
to get there, mm. the maturing into that is painful because we chose a violent world. We don't despise patience. We despise the pathway to patience. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, I want God to grow me. It just hurts. Uh, and it's a good hurt. It's like kind of like going to the gym. Like, I don't know. I don't really like the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going saying, surfing. Is, <laughs> there, is there any pain... Is any pain really good, or do we get beneficial, like beneficial, yes, uncomfort? That's a better way to say it. Do <laughs> we, yes, do we accept it because we learn the benefits of it? Yeah. So going to the gym when you're first going to work out, I mean, how many people quit after a few weeks? I know I did. Right, because the pain is too much. <laughs> But when you begin to see the fruit of it, when you begin to see what it develops in your body, you become accustomed to the pain mm. and you begin to look forward to what's on the other side of it. So you look with an excitement at going to the gym to get what comes out of it, yeah. right? And you become accustomed to the pain because you know what's coming on the other side. God has gifts for us mm. in the pain. I had this thought that came into my mind when you talked about when you were in that car mm. accident, that little yellow car and the wheels of that truck that hit you somehow did not roll over your car and crush you. The question that came into my mind was, where are the points in your life where you didn't avoid the crushing? Oh. What What are some of those experiences <laughs> for Jono? Wow. <laughs> um, we could be here for a long time. Um, <laughs> we have time. But uh, it's been a journey. Back in the past, <laughs> I went to Europe for four months, and the first month I spent working at a hostel um, down in South Portugal, and it was awesome. Like I got to meet a ton of people from around the world. I never knew this about hostels, but there's a huge like party environment. Um, when people come, they like to get the guests involved in their culture and whatnot, and usually that ends up being like bar crawls clubs like stuff like that so uh for the first couple of weeks i was just like no 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 like i i'm like a grandpa i go to sleep at like 10 every night <laughs> <laughs> and i'll wake up at like five or six in the morning but uh yeah so they got me to go out on this like bar crawl with them um we went to a couple bars uh we went to like uh, a couple of clubs it was, like, the first time I've ever been introduced into, like, mm. a real party scene. And it was fun. Mm. And so I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I didn't do anything super crazy that night. But then, like, the next week, they got me to go. And then um, I started getting more and more involved in it. And then um, it was not the very last week, but the, like, week before the last week that I was at the hostel. I would like wake up at nine work from nine till two at the hostel uh, I did like bed exchanges cleaning the hostel stuff um, so that would cover my stay and my food um, so I wasn't paying um, so I would work then I would hang out with the new guests from like two till ten then we would go on this bar crawl and like clubbing until like 5:30 in the morning I'd go to sleep get Two and a half hours of sleep, wake up and do it all over again. I did this for a straight six days, I think, like in a row. Boom, 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 boom. It was fun. 
Uh, I won't lie about that, but it was empty. Mm. Um, right after, so the day before I, or the night before I leave, I went out with them one more time. Um, and since it was my last night, like, everyone was buying me drinks and stuff, and I was just downing them, and I was going crazy. Um, and then uh, the next morning, I had a train at 7.30. And so I woke up at, like, 7, and one of my um, co-workers also had a train. And we got to the train station barely in time. I have this pounding headache. Um, barely have enough water in my, like, water bottle, so I just, like, start chugging it. We get on the train, and I expect trains over there to be, like, trains here where it's nice and smooth, but no, it's like the, like, every single tie of the track, like, shows. Um, and here I am with a head that's just, like, spinning, an empty stomach that is just, like, Oh my word, the longest train ride ever. And it didn't have water except for water from the sinks, which you're not supposed to drink. But I did anyway. <laughs> I was like, I might die, but that's okay because I'm dying right now. Because <laughs> I'm really, it was like a huge, like, uh, interesting moment in life um, where I was just like, oh, I hate this. Like, what the heck? And, and on that train, like, I was just like, okay, never again, or, like, whatnot, and you know those, like, promises where you're like, I'm never gonna do this again, um, and then I got off the train, and then I had to bike to the next, uh, surf hostel that I was, like, working at, um, and it was, like, a five-mile bike ride, and it was so hot, and I had all my bags on, and I had this bike, and I'm, like, biking over, and, um, I arrive, and then I just die, I, like, just fall asleep, um, and then the next day, I just kind of was reading my Bible, like, it, it just was right there, so I, like, opened it up, um, and I forget where I was reading, but something in it really brought me to, like, God, and it's like, like, I, I've been living a life of darkness, and I, like, was really heavily con convicted by it, and, and it was weird, because I didn't experience any, like, condemnation from it. It was just mm. pure love. Mm. I never had experienced it before. Like, I would always get, like, rebuked by friends or, like, family of, like, if I'm, if they see something wrong in my life, they'll, like, tell me. And, like, this time it was just, like, God just embracing me, like, you're back. It felt so much like prodigal son. Like, as soon as I returned, he's just like, I'm just so happy you're back. I was praying a lot. I was reading a lot. Um, and he's, like, I was invited to go out with them. And I was just like, no, like, I'm okay tonight. And it's not that I can't go out with them. It's just like, like, my actions are different. It's like, I'm not there to, like, get plastered and have a good time. It's there to, like, love on people and it's a really interesting environment where mm. when people are shrouded in darkness, you can speak light into them so yeah. much better. Um, and so, yeah, I just started getting in my, in the word, started biking. So that's, I biked from Southern France to Northern France, took a ferry into England, biked up to Manchester, biked across Ireland, one of the islands off of Ireland. And all that time I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to the Bible, I'm listening to 
um, worship music and just like really just growing my love for God and it was the moment where um, like I'd say I was like a Christian for a long time I yeah but that's the moment where I fell in love with God mm. and since then things have just been different my life has been so good what's interesting in that story is in the first one with the uh, track you could see the immediate gift. Mm. The wonder of having this truck not crush your car. And then going out looking for the yellow marks, thinking, okay, got the car got knocked by some piece on the truck, right? And looking for the yellow mark from your car scraping that portion of the truck and finding nothing, and immediately seeing the gift of God's direct hand into mm. the situation. So it's interesting in both those stories, there's, there's almost almost opposite experiences where in one God initiates hmm. to reveal himself. In another one, you make the first step to cry out to him and experience him in that moment and his love and his unconditional love for you. This reminds me of a proverb, Proverb twenty five two, I believe it is, that roughly says this. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to seek it out. In the sacred writings of the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest followers, he declares that whoever believes and receives Jesus has the right to be a child of God. And if those who follow Jesus are God's children, they have that right, that authority, then as children of the God of the universe, we are also royalty. And so Proverbs 25.2 applies to us. The picture that emerges in my mind as I think of that verse these days is the Easter egg hunts that families do. The parents hide the Easter eggs, right? And the kids look for them. The parents aren't hiding these little Easter eggs filled with chocolatey goodness or other little treasures out of spite or to be mean, right? They're doing it out of a sense of joy. And so the kids, they know this. They they aren't crying and whining that these eggs are hidden from them. They go searching for those eggs with great joy. The environment of an Easter egg hunt is joy. I sense this same atmosphere of joy in your story. How you sought God in the middle of painful, difficult circumstances, in the middle of your hurts. And you found that hidden behind the pain and the hurt, there were gifts of joy and love that God had for you to discover. I believe that's true of all of us. So where are some other areas where you've, you've been touched by hurts? And where in those experiences did, did you see God's love for you? I should say, what other experiences have you had where hurt has touched your life and then you saw the gift? Some gift of God. Oh wow. Um self hurt. Yeah. Um just like self mental hurt. My entire life I have strived for affirmation from other people. And so, um if I did anything cool, I would want people to experience it. And if other people didn't experience it, it wasn't worth doing. Um so a lot of that comes in my relationship with my parents, like wanting their approval 
And so one of the painful areas is when that uh, was met with disapproval. I think that that's one of the most painful things to go through is like when I looked in the mirror for a long time, I literally just hated who I saw. And I have a lot of spoken word poetry about it of like me looking in the mirror and seeing a monster behind the screen of my eyes. Um, where did where do you think that developed from? Um, I think it just comes from like this secrecy. So like growing up in a really small town, um, the problem with really small towns is as soon as someone learns something, the entire town knows. Um, they all know your secrets. Yeah. They know your, your crap. Yeah, and so I mean I I've heard it from everyone on everyone else and whatnot and um like. I was always, like, referred to as, like, the good kid. Like, nothing was wrong in his life and whatnot, which in itself is a little bit hurtful because it means, like, no one actually knows you. Because mm. um, I suck. <laughs> well, but, even that. Yeah. Right? Even that's an interesting <clears throat> view of yourself. Well, to like... say you suck. Yes. Okay. There's some friends out there, uh, Bethany, <laughs> who would just, like... Jono, you can't say that about yourself. But I do. Like, my sin in my life, um, the stuff that I struggle with, the battles that I face, whenever I win or lose, like, there's aspects of me that just are absolutely evil. And there's aspects of me that are absolutely great. And God is like, boom, and we're, like, at war. And I constantly am deciding, which side am I on? Like, am I going to fulfill these desires? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to side with God and like, okay, God, like, I am your, I am yours. Yeah. I am like 100% yours. These are your arms, your feet. Take me where you need me. Yeah. Um, and so when I say I suck, it means that I understand that I am a sinful being. Um, not that sin controls my life. God controls my life. But sin does have a uh, grasp at different areas of my life, and, yeah. Is there a difference between being sinful, literally sin-filled, or being filled with sin, and struggling with sinful desires and behaviors at times? What does Scripture say about those who follow Jesus? Like, who are they in God's eyes? For instance, there's a Scripture that says, you are a new creation in Christ. Oh, absolutely, yeah. The old has gone. The new has come. The new has come. That's what God says about us. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's, here's what sin really is. It's a resistance to what God says. Yeah. So what is sin, right? Sin is coming out of alignment with who God is, his identity, and who he says we are. Mm-hmm. We all struggle with our sinful thoughts, behaviors, our feelings. Yeah. But my question is, wouldn't it be sin? Isn't it a resistance and disagreement with God to say, I suck? Mm -hmm. Because he says, you're a new creation in Christ. Mm -hmm. You would agree with that, right? The old is gone, the new has come. And so to say, you suck, is out of is out of alignment with what God is saying about you. Hmm. Here's one thing I've I've been blind to for myself. How many times in the New Testament 
When John, Paul, Peter are writing to the churches, they say, Beloved. Hmm. Pay attention yeah. to how many times they're addressing each of each church and the people mm-hmm. in those churches, and they write these letters and they say, Beloved. And how does Paul start his letters? What does he call the people in each church? Does he say, To the sinners? Mm, no. In the, the church of Corinth? Even though he had a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the people in Corinth. You oh, know? yeah. But how did he address them in Mm. all of their issues and all of their struggles with sin? Mm. What did Paul call them at the beginning of his letter? He calls them saints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not sinners. Yep. Yeah. And so here's one of the things I think is a subtle aspect of sin that we don't even see in our struggle against sin. Mm. Is we're out of alignment with who God says we are in, in our identity. And I think that's yeah. actually the core of the issue. Yeah. Go back to that story that you told me, where when you came and you got vulnerable before God and, and allowed Him in to the empty lifestyle you were living mm. and let Him in, what was the experience you had? Joy. Yeah. An acceptance. Yeah. What did you say? You, you didn't feel any condemnation. Yeah. No, I, it was just like, it was just kind of like that was the past. Like yeah. that you are new. Like yeah. this is, you are wiped clean. You are white as snow. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I definitely agree on that. Uh, yeah, my like saying I suck is more of like maybe more of like an issue with me of wanting to emphasize that I still struggle. Sure. And I think that's more of where, like, dang it, I suck because I struggle, which isn't actually true. Like, we all struggle, so, like, I should just say I struggle. Um, And, um, yeah, so with that, I struggle even sometimes now uh, with, like, this cane of what I look like. Um, and then what's really funny is back when that was like the, that was the thing in my life is I have to look good because otherwise I won't be accepted or whatnot. Um, if no one complimented me on how I looked, I'd feel as if I like had failed. Mm. If I wasn't getting affirmation or whatever, um, then I failed. And when I looked in the mirror... And, like, I looked in my eyes, I would just be like, I know what's behind those. And it's not good. And, like, that was a huge journey. Because coming from there and just, like, realizing that God completely loves me and, like, whatnot has really helped a lot with that, of that, like, self-image of it doesn't matter. Like, mm. I mean, if you guys ever see me driving around town... I have a yellow Chevy Aveo, same one, with the front left fender non-existent, (laughs) half my bumper, like, grounded down, like, it's held up by little bolts (laughs) and screws that I screwed it into the car with, Um, and 
one of the greatest compliments was from one of my best friends, and he said, you know, I never know about Jono because he'll show up one day and he'll look like a complete, like, homeless guy with, like, just, like, got out of bed, didn't look at his hair, like, just threw on whatever he found. Or he'll look like he just bought a Ferrari and he's, like, dressed up with, like, skinny jeans and, like, a nice shirt. And I'm like, thanks, dude. And it was just, like, when he said that, it just reminded me of, like, wow, like, I would rather be unpredictable and, like, it doesn't matter than to be so obsessed with what I look like, um, so obsessed with what other people think that it holds me back. And it's really held me back, especially with my relationship with my parents, with my siblings, just with my family especially, um, because I used to view if my parents don't approve or if they wouldn't do it the same way, then I'm failing. It really is like a very long path for me of learning to accept myself and also to look at myself the way God looks at me as already being accepted. Because um, he's already accepted me as his son, and he's proud of me. Mm. Um, and I'm seeking him, and I want to know him. And so with that, I shouldn't be worried about what people are thinking of my like life choices if my life choices are completely uh, oriented in the way that God says that I should live my life. Um and so me not getting a career uh, is scary for me. And um, sometimes I feel like people, my, my parents, my siblings, they, um, they look at it kind of down on it. Like, that you don't even have a career. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Um, and God's just blessed me outside of career in so many ways. And... Um, he's provided for me and he's taught me how to trust him. Um, and so when it comes down to like rent even, like, where's it coming from? Like I'm active and I'm working on little things just to keep like rent going. And God's like giving me joy in that. And I'm like, mm. wait, I work for DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> and Instacart, delivering people food, and God's blessing me through that. Mm. And I find joy in it of, like, just, like, going and helping someone out with what they think is just, like, oh, I'm just typing in this, and then here's a little tip, and boom. And I'm like, okay, let's go pick it up from Chipotle and deliver it. Um, it's been really fun. Like, and, I, and when I told my parents that that's what I was working for... Um, they didn't, like, say anything bad about it, but just, like, their facial expressions mm. gave it away. And I was just, like, and it, it kind of hit me, like, I was just, like, oh, I want them to be, like, proud of me. Like, I, I don't know a single kid who doesn't want their parents to be proud of them. Right. But, like, it just hit me, like, you guys won't be proud of me in this area, and that's fine. Like, I, th I think my parents definitely are proud of me, and it's just more of my mental, like, like, oh no, like, that look, I've seen that before, and it's 
not necessarily disapproval, mm-hmm. but it's like, eh. Yeah. And that hurts. It does hurt. But yet you said something, but that you said, but that's fine. Why is it fine now? Yeah. If they don't approve of some of your choices or what's going on in your life. Why is that fine now? Um, for me, it's fine because I'm finding my self-worth more in what God's saying. And, like, God's given me a great job with DoorDash. And, like, people might not look at it that way, but really he has. And he's been providing. Mm-hmm. So what is a good job? <laughs> like, like um, I would be so miserable if I was an accountant right now. Mm. Like, I just love meeting new people. I love, like, talking with people. I get to talk to people that I pick up food from. I get to talk to people I drop food off to. Like, when I'm shopping, I get to talk to a ton of people in the store. Um, I'm doing stuff. I'm, like, able to help people. Like, maybe someone doesn't feel safe going to the grocery store right now. And so I'm able to go pick up their groceries and then drop it off at their house. And they don't have to put themselves in an uncomfortable situation. And um, it really just, yeah, no, I, ne- I never thought I would enjoy it. I was just doing it like, huh, I mean, sure, I got accepted. So why not go for like a couple days or whatever, see what it's all about. Mm. And I really enjoyed it, and God's just been really faithful in um, in that. And with that, I think the whole, like, mentality of it is God has placed something good in my life. I'm just called to, like, enjoy it. Yeah. Like, fully, like, God, like, you're crazy. You, you knew that this was going to happen, and you just, like... And I think God does that a lot more than people realize, and they deny it because it seems like, oh, like, God won't ever work through something so small as, like, a food delivery system, or, like, that's too small for God. And, like, actually, it's been great. Like, God's been teaching me so much about, like, patience, about, like, anxiety. Like, sometimes I get anxious while I do it, and he's, like, teaching me through that. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Like... I need to turn this over to God, and, like, when I'm feeling anxious, and, like, it brings me into a place of prayer, it's just, it's just been interesting. Well, what I hear in this is you growing in the journey of listening to what God says about who you are, about your identity, before you listen or seek anyone or anything else for your identity and your approval. Mm. It's about being before it's about doing. Oftentimes we look for our identity in the things we do because really we're looking towards other people to find our worth and identity, right? Yeah. Our value and identity. And you're learning, what I hear in your story is that you're learning to look to God and listen to what He says and then agree with it, come into alignment with it because sin is being out of alignment, right, with what God says about us. And what God says about us is that we are saints, we are his beloved children, and who all of heaven is celebrating all of the time. And as we come into alignment with that, we can have a job at like DoorDash, or we could have a job anywhere. And it doesn't affect who we are, because we're not finding our identity in that job, or in what other people say about us, 
only in what God says about us. We are not sinful once we come to Christ. We are spirit-filled. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And our sinful patterns of thinking and behaving we still struggle with are actually our unbelief over who God says we are. And out of that place of emptiness, when we're not aligning ourselves with the truth of who God says we are and the truth especially of who he is, then we go out of alignment with those things and do things. We have sinful thoughts that are out of alignment with God that lead to sinful behaviors because we're not buying into who God says we are. Really, that is the epitome of sin. My definition is sin is an absence of love. Just like darkness is the absence of light, sin isn't really anything. It's just an absence of experiencing God's love in this certain place in my life. So if I'm not coming to God and letting him speak into who I am, I have an absence of his love in this place, and then I try to find some other way of coping with this emptiness, this absence of love, and that turns to other behaviors, sinful behaviors, from that sinful way of thinking. But when I embrace who God says I am, when I come into alignment with the fact that he is perfect love and I am beloved, then I walk in alignment with him and I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the fruit of the Spirit. I'm receiving all of that from God because he wants to give it to me and I'm reflecting it to those around me. That's what I hear in your story. And it's a gift. But it came through a process of, you know, you've come through a process of accepting who you are through pain. Mm -hmm. As you looked at yourself through the eyes of other people, you found that there's pain involved in that. Mm -hmm. There's discouragement. There's self-hatred. There's a sense of failure, a sense of I'm a monster. As you look at yourself through other people, even when they're looking at you and saying you're good because you're feeling like they don't know the real you. And so here's the place that pain has in your growing and maturing. By going through the pain of seeing yourself through other people's eyes, you've learned to mature and reorient yourself to see yourself through God's eyes. And no longer compare yourself to other people or see yourself as they see you, to go to God and and see yourself through His eyes, Mm -hmm. find who you are through what He says about you, which I, you know, we just talked a, a little bit about. There's still more layers to go. Yeah. Now, for all of us, like de- declaring that we suck, how many times do we uh, gra- do we find our identity in other things, mm. right? In our failures, we say I'm a failure, rather than I failed. I say I'm a failure, and so now I identify myself. I see myself mm. through circumstances rather than God's eyes. Yeah. And so what you're telling me, John, or what I hear you saying is that you're on this path of maturing and growing into accepting what God says about himself and what he says about you. And pain has a place in that. Mm. We live in a violent world, a painful, hurtful world, but but yet God uses that pain as manure, takes that crap and uses (laughs) that manure to grow us, grow us in maturity and accepting who yeah. God says he is and who he says we are. In this season, the joy you're experiencing through DoorDash is like, hey, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. There's aspects of who God made me to be in this that I'm enjoying. And really, it comes down to 
you're finding enjoyment because you're experiencing the joy of heaven, God celebrating over you in this facet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many stories does Jesus use to describe heaven by talking about a party? Yeah. A wedding feast. <laughs> celebration. Here's the reality. Heaven is always celebrating over us. Mm. Every moment. All of heaven is rejoicing over Jono mm. and all of the uniqueness of who you are. It's our journey to experience that mm. and grow in accepting it. That's the maturing process. Take 1 Corinthians 13. The, we call it the love chapter, right? There's a, fat, there's a couple pieces of that that I've put together. One of the lines in 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love rejoices with the truth. Mm. And then later on, Paul says this. Right now I seem as if in a mirror darkly. But one day I will know fully as I am fully known. Mm. Put those two things together. He says, love rejoices with the truth. Scripture tells us through John, one of Jesus' closest followers, that God is love. So God, as love, rejoices in the truth. And Paul says, he knows us fully. He mm-hmm. rejoices in the truth of who we are, because, and he knows us fully. And our journey is getting to know him and growing in intimacy and the maturing process of accepting that, of coming into alignment with who God says we are. There's mm-hmm. pain in that process. Yeah. Process, what, what is produced by that process mm-hmm. is incredible. And that, this is what I'm hearing in your story, man. And that's mm. the journey you're on, man. That's the journey I hear. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, you are loved, which is just wild. Um, like, I'm loved. But you, then you also have to look into the word love, and love is an action. Yeah. Like, it's a verb. Like, God is actively loving yeah. us. Sacrificing. He that loves, is love. Yeah, it's right? crazy. What it says is, this is love, that one lays down his life for another. another. And this is what God did for us. This is the epitome of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. He laid down his life for us. And our role in that is to receive that love. Yeah. And to grow into receiving that love. And the more we receive it, the more we reflect it. Absolutely. Here's what I'm hearing today. Pain is a part of that process. Mm. Pain is a part of that journey. And, and, And this world... It has a necessary part now that yeah. we have to accept and embrace. Because without the pain, you wouldn't have turned back to God in those, yeah. in those different seasons. Yeah. One thing that I I just kind of has come back to my head a few times today, like you can only love others as much as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and so go love yourself. Like, that's what our culture is constantly saying. Like, you can only love others the way that, like, you love yourself. And it's it's in a way true. Like, you can yeah. only give as much as you have to right. give. Um, and so from a cultural standpoint, that makes sense. Like, all they have is this, like, themselves. So they have to love themselves and, like, gain this, like, self-love to this point where they can actually love someone else whereas we we no longer identify with like our real like our self-love it's more like our love for christ 
but we identify as Christ's love for us. Right. When we do that, we become like this channel of love to other people. Right. And we fill them up. Um, like especially if they're part of culture, they're like, wait, like, this is more love than he should have. Mm-hmm. He's going through the worst situation of his life, but he's still loving me. Like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what's going, what's different here? Like, this isn't normal love. Like, this isn't selfish love. Like, this is very not selfish love. And once that starts, like, that can take root into people, and that changes. Like, yeah. they're like, wait, wait. Like, they'll get love from other people or whatever, and then they're like, it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, God's love is so much more and so passionate and um, full. And so as we become this conduit, we experience the joy of mm-hmm. spreading it. And as we experience the joy, then we start to, like, get hyped about it. And <laughs> we're like, whoa, like, that that felt great. Like... Um, and if, like, it's so exciting to share the, like, God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I think that's all the time we've got. Sweet. <laughs> it was awesome to have you here with me today. Yeah. Great to be here. Great to learn a little bit. Yeah. Uh, even now, iron is sharpening iron. <laughs> that's what it's all about, right? I'm learning from you. You're learning from yeah. me. Yeah. Anyway. It's awesome to have you. Now we're up on time. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for coming. Yeah, today. thanks for having me. Yeah. It was good. It was a pleasure. Oh, yeah, before we go, for all those who are listening, if you want to contact us, you can get in contact with us through our Facebook page, Life Hurts God Heals, or email us at lifehurtsgodheals at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on the podcasts or any questions that rise up in you through listening to these podcasts. If you'd like to support what we're doing through your finances, email us and we can get you that information. But for now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you kindly and give you peace over this next week. In the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, have a great week.